Ksuvas, Perik Zayin, Mishnah Zayin, 7-7. And since in the previous Mishnah we had discussed certain scenarios in which a woman would uh, be divorced and not be eligible for a Ksuva payment, uh, the Mishnah will now list another other scenarios um, where she would be um, divorced and not get her Ksuva. This particular Mishnah here appears um, again in Mishnah's Kedushin, the second Perik, Mishnah Hey, uh, word for word. Um, but since it talks about both Kedushin as well as Ksuva, it's uh, mentioned in both places. So the first part of the Mishnah says, If a man is Makadish a woman, he gives her the kasef, like the ring, and he says, You're Makadish to me with this, receiving this ring. But he says, On condition that you haven't got any Nadaram that bind you. So when it comes to Kedushan, it's absolutely acceptable to make the Kenyan of the Kedushan, the effecting of the marriage um, contingent upon anything, actually, that the man would stipulate. And here he's stipulating that she's not restricted by Nadarim. So that being the case, the Nimtzolah Nadarim, if it turns out he discovers after the fact that she actually was um, somehow encumbered with existing Nadarim, she had taken a vow, let's say, not to eat meat or drink wine, etc. So then, Enamukodeshes, then she won't um, the Kedushan won't be effective, and therefore she won't even be Mekodesh, she won't be um, married at all, um, because he made that stipulation. Now, when it comes to Nadarim, the rule always is that we understand the Nether to um, imply what's normally implied by people using that turn of phrase, a particular you know expression. And in this case here, a person who says she's not encumbered by a Nether, in a Nadarim, we assume he is uh, making this Kedushan contingent upon the kind of Nadaram that a normal person would object to. Like, for example, she refused to eat meat or drink wine, wear colorful clothing, and so on. If she had some random net that she took on that has no real impact on his life and would not really um, make her any weaker or less attractive um, or less fun to be with. So, for example, she just says she's took a netter against never eating strawberries. Haruvan Karabs as the 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 Gemara. So a normal person wouldn't care if his wife doesn't eat strawberries or carobs. Um and that being the case, even if he made the Kedushan contingent upon her not being bound by Nadarim, and she actually happened to have taken a nether not to eat strawberries or carobs, still um the marriage would be um effective. The Kedushan would work because we assume that he wouldn't have meant that when he said it. Um if, of course, he said explicitly um, she has absolutely no Nadarim whatsoever, um, in which case, then, of course, that leaves no doubt that he means any neder. So then if she had the neder not to take, not to eat the carobs or the strawberries, that, of course, would make it that the Kedushan was not effective. Um, what's interesting is that when it comes to Nadarim, a person is always able to be matir his or her neder, to annul the neder, if there's a Bezin of three, Hediotos, or even a Mumcha, one expert in the Lachas Nadarim, who can find Pesach and Harata, find a, under certain circumstances, he's able to say that uh, the Nether should never have been bounding in the first place because certain things weren't considered, and now the person regrets having said those words now that they've come, those matters have come to light. That's called Harata. We'll discuss more about Nadarim as Hashem in Misach Nadarim. The point is that if a Chacham or a Bezdin is matir the neder, in contrast to the father or the husband being mefir 
um, the nether. But if there's hataras nadarim, if the chacham is matir, if chacham does the hatara, so then the nether is considered to be ne'ekarlam um, afreya, to be uprooted, annulled from the beginning, meaning retroactively it never took effect. And that being the case, if a woman, let's say, had taken a nether to be a vegetarian, and then the husband's makadashar on condition that she has no nadarim that would bind her. And our mission would say, if he discovers the fact that she's a vegetarian, it wouldn't be binding. Um, if she then goes before he discovers it, and she, if she would go to a chacham and do hataras nadarim, that would retroactively make it that she never was bound by the nether, and therefore the kedushin would, yes, um, be effective. Uh, it's interesting. There are even cheetahs that say, even after he discovers that she had this nether, if she would go to a chacham, uh, since it retroactively would annul it, um, it would also still be effective. But the Shulchan Aruch seems to learn that it has to be annulled prior to him discovering. Uh, whatever the case, uh, the point is that the nether could be annulled, uh, and therefore, and that could make the condition be effective um, after the fact. Now, Kansastam, what happens if this man never made any stipulations regarding um, Nadarm. He just, he marries her, Kadushin, Nesuin, she moves in with him, Venim to Nadarm. And then he discovers once they're married that she already is bound by Nether and she took a vow never to eat meat or drink wine. And now he says, wow, if I'd have known this, I'd have never married her. So then, Tetse Shlob Ksuba. So now um, he can divorce her and not pay her Ksuba. The reason why is because he's claiming that it's what's called a Mekach Taos, that his, um, his active Kadushin, um, when he married her, um, was made under false pretenses, and if he would have known that she was a vegetarian or that she wouldn't drink wine, he would have never engaged in the, married her in the first place. That being the case, it's just was made under false pretenses and is a binding. Now, we don't know for certain if that's the case. Maybe he decided to become a vegetarian originally when he married her. He wouldn't have objected to her being a vegetarian, but later on, you know, when the time they're married, then he decided to be a vegetarian. Or maybe, you know, he didn't like her cooking, and the the vegetarian thing is just a pretext to get rid of her. So since we don't know for certain what he would have done, we're just only assuming that many normal people refuse to marry women who are vegetarians or don't, don't drink wine or wear clothing, etc. So therefore, the truth is that we're in a situation of suffolk. We just don't know. And therefore, when he divorces her, he'll have to give her a get. We won't rely on his claim that it was a Mecca Taos and accept that and say that the Kedush was never binding, they were never married. No, we're not sure. It's a suffix, and therefore I'll have to give her a get um, because it's a suffix, an uncertain situation, and a, the rule is suffix do'araisa l'chumra. If we are not sure how to do something and it implicates a do'araisa issue like gitin, the woman, of course, can't marry another man um, without getting a get because maybe she's already married. So therefore he, the first husband, will have to give her a get when he divorces her. On the other hand, since it's a suffix, it's a question mark whether or not he was um, they were married in the first place, so therefore that draws the Ksuba into question, and since the rule is Hamotsu Machavero Alavaraya, in a situation of doubt, we're not sure if she is or is not entitled to her Ksuba payment. Um, since she's the one who's trying to extract the money, the burden is on her to prove that the Kedushin was binding and that she's entitled to her Ksuba. And uh, if she can't do that, then presumably she can't, then, as the Misha says, when she gets divorced, if you divorce her right now, she won't get her Ksuba payment. The second part of the mission now is very similar to the first, but instead of talking about nedarim, which make her undesirable for being a wife, we talk about mumin, certain blemishes, certain um, essentially physical defects. So um, the next Mishnah 
discusses the issue about, well, didn't he have eyes? Didn't he see these things? So we'll put that issue aside. Let's just give it, take it as a given that when he entered into this um, relationship, he didn't realize she had this blemish, whatever it is. So then, if he gives her Kedushin and he says, he gives her the ring and says, you're, engage, you're married to me on condition that, as the Mishnah says, almanas ba mumin, that you that she has no blemish. If it turns out she has a blemish, after all, then, like the previous case in the Mishnah, the Kedushin will not be binding because he made a contingent upon her not having a blemish and she has a blemish. So, therefore, no Kedushin whatsoever. Um, the Mishnah will define the kinds of blemishes in a moment, so hold on to that. If, on the other hand, he didn't make any stipulations, he just married her, Kedushin, Chuppah, and, they, and then he's living with her after the wedding, Kanasa, he marries her, brings her into his house, Stam, without any preconditions, but then Vinimtsu Bamumin, then he discovers, lo and behold, she has some um, serious physical defect that he didn't know about before, he didn't realize until after um, she was living in his house. So then, like the previous part of the Mishnah, Teitse Shlob again, she goes out um, without a Ksuba, like before, um, we're not exactly sure if the, it was really and he really would have said from the beginning he would never marry if he knew about this. Um, but since we are, it's it's very reasonable, it's very likely, so we'll assume that being the case. But since it's not certain, it's a suffolk, and therefore a suffolk derives the chumrah, she needs to get, like the previous case. And um, since it's a suffolk, she won't be able to extract the payment of the ksuba without proof they didn't object. Now, like the previous part of the Mishnah, if it turned out in the previous part, we said if she had a neder, but the neder was sort of inconsequential, the kind of neder most people wouldn't object to, like she won't eat strawberries or carobs, so then she stays married. So, so to here, um, he's claiming, oh, her fourth toe is longer than her third toe. And like, if he would have known that, he would have never married her. So then, I guess that's normal. I guess I should say the fourth toe is bigger than the big toe. So then, now that's not really much of a blemish, and maybe he would... Maybe some people reject, but most people probably wouldn't say I wouldn't marry a woman who had a, a long, you know, toe, uh, slightly longer than the other than the, the other toe, whatever it is, something inconsequential. So then, um, that wouldn't be grounds for divorce, wouldn't annul the marriage, and she would not be getting divorced letter ksuba. So what are the mumin, the blemishes which are considered to be the kind that most normal people would object to, and um, which would be the kind of the moon we're talking about here. And similarly, if he made the condition, she has no moon. If it turns out she has, you know, whatever, this like this this fourth toe is long on the fifth toe, or whatever, her toenail is discolored or something. Um, so then um, presumably that's not the kind of thing a person would object to, and therefore the condition will be binding, even though he made the condition she has no mum, um, because that's just, you know, subjective. But what are the, I'll call it the objective lines, that are the kinds of blemishes that a person can be assumed to um, be mocked on, to really have an objection to? So says the Mishnah, kol hamumen haposlen b'kohanim, poslen benashim. It's the same list of blemishes which render a Kohen unfit to do the avoda. There's a, the, the Torah says that Kohanim, who um, who have a blemish, so certain blemishes, so they are not uh, uh, permitted, they're not allowed to do the avod in the base of Mikdash, and that's actually a Pasuk. It's Vayikra, Perak, Chaf, Aleph, Pasuk, Tez, Zion, 21.16, which says, Daberl Aaron Lemor, tell Aaron, the, the Kohen Gadol, saying, Ish Mizaracha, 
any of your descendants, the Dorosam, in the generations that come, Asher Yevomum, who has a blemish, Lo Yikrav Lahakriv Lechem Elokav, um, should not approach to offer the food to Hashem, meaning the korbanos, the offerings. Um, that is, the Pesach says, that if they have a mum, a blemish, they can't serve in the base of Mikdash. Now, the Meseches Bechoros, uh, the seventh parak, um, is dedicated to the list of these mumin. There are many. Um, I don't want to go through them all now, but they're quite severe. Um, uh, if, a, For example, I'll just go through some of them quickly here. If um, the person uh, applies both to the male Cohen and the female, in the case of our mission here, if he or she has a head that is like triangular or shaped like a turnip or shaped like a hammer or it's sunken in or flat or the person is bald or um, they have no eyebrows or they have a single eyebrow or they have two backs or two spines or their eyes, one is high and one is low or they're severely cross-eyed or they have one long arm and one short arm or one long leg and one short leg or they have no eyelashes um, or they have an enor- eyes, gigantic eyes as big as a baby a calf or tiny eyes as small as a goose or um, very, very small limbs relative to their body or very long limbs relative to their body or tiny ears or ears that are kind of like crunched like a, like a sponge or a long over-drooping upper lip or lower lip, or um, they suffer from epilepsy or actually severe depression, quite interestingly, um, or their legs are bow-legged or knock-kneed, um, or the, they have six, you know, six fingers and six toes. Um, those are the kind of things, you know, that we're talking about, these severe, severe... Uh, unusual physical conditions. Um, so those are the kind of things that a person would object to. Again, discuss it. We'll discuss in the next Mishnah like how we didn't notice these things, that, that, but maybe, you know, we'll discuss that next in the next Mishnah. But if she has any of those things, or as the Gemara adds, actually, the another eight that are that are peculiar to women as opposed to the Kohanim, and which will also be considered to be women which are objectionable, and those, those eight are, she um, sweats profusely all the time, she has like terrible breath or some other bad body odor, she has a very unusually deep voice. She has uh, like a mole, a large mole on her face, the size of a, like a decent size coin. Um, or even she has a smaller mole on her face, but it's got hair coming out of it. Um, or um, she has some other kind of like, um, she has like a, like a, a scar, like from a dog bite. Um, or um, her breasts are really irregular shaped, one being a tefach, like four inches um, large than the other. Or they're, Different and or, or or just they're disproportionately um, large. Um, so in all those scenarios, those would be considered mumin. Where if he claims that he didn't know um, she had these things, and it turns out she did, so then even without a stipulation, so it's a situation of suffolk. And if he claims that's mekachtos, um, it would indeed we would suffolk say it was mekachtos and allow her to be divorced without getting her ksuba.